Boy, it's been a, a certain number of gloomy days. Maybe I'm generalizing falsely, but I've just a number of people who talk about how gloomy it sometimes can be. So it's lovely to come in amid the light, the people that have seen that lived in darkness have seen a great light. And it's lovely to come into a community, the family of the church. What a difference that makes in our lives. COVID has set us apart and alone, and it's lovely to get back together. And uh, Christmas has sent us to all the compass points to see our families, and it's nice to get to back together again. If I didn't see you, I was away in that period, so I didn't see you. Bless Christmas and every blessing in the new year to each of you and to your families and friends. I was, uh, after speaking of uh, places being abandoned, that's what happens after commencement. It's lively during the year, and then after commencement, a week later, no tourists here yet, and tumbleweed come down the street. I exaggerate, but it's very close to that. Tumbleweed blowing down the street, a city abandoned. And uh, in that period, I found myself at Pete's Coffee. Uh, and uh, I was sitting there at one, of the, at one of the high tables, not high table in the sense of Oxford or Lowell House, but just one of the elevated tables. And next to me was a young woman, and she got talking and we got chatting. And it turned out she had just finished, graduated from the business school, from HBS. And so we got talking on, and she said, you know, I was told about you. Well, of course, that put me in fear, you know, whether it was the police, whether it was the police blotter or however, the, the pictures of the post office, there's many ways of finding information. She seemed all too informed. And I said, what do you mean? She said, well, my classmate at the business school had known you from Harvard College, and she told me about you and said you were a good guy. Of course, some people are also misinformed for all the information. She said to me, you're a decent fellow, and uh, she recommended the business school mass at 8 o'clock. We moved it to 8.15. Do you know why it's 8.15 now? Because I had trouble getting away from chatting with the law students. And after the second time that happened, the business school students, Father, you were late again. We're moving at 8.15 from 8 o'clock. True story. That's on my permanent record. That's on my permanent record. Just like the nuns putting things nose down. Anyway, she was delightful. We got chatting. And uh, she was talking about a million things. And she said uh, she'd sort of been away from the church. And she had caught a few masses just at the end of her two years, and she regretted the fact that she had only begun then, because she enjoyed that very much. And then she said, I hadn't been haven't been to confession in, in, uh, in 10 years. Now, I don't, I don't uh, remember anything about the confession or anything else. I'm a, by the way, I'm not a bad confessor, because I'm hard of hearing, and I have a bad memory. You know, so if you ever, so I walk around, I walk around all the time and uh, chat with people and just chat about things in general. They could be Jewish, agnostic, they could be Protestant, Buddhist, but people are very friendly and you get talking to them. Occasionally Catholics will ask me here confessions. So I was saying, I said to her, well, you know, I walk around campus all the time and people sometimes want to go to confession. She said, well, can you do it outside, do, go to confession outside the confessional? I said, apparently you can. And so, uh, so she said, well, could we do it? I said, well, we'd have to find a parking lot or someplace with nobody there. But we could be happy to hear your confession if you wanted to. But you could go to Arch Street. You have lots of options in terms of other priests at St. Paul's. And she said, oh, no, let's do that. So we finished our coffee. And we went and we found a place. And uh, two years, three years later, I get this magnificent email, utterly luminous. She said, Father, I'm not sure it's the right term, but I'm a born-again Catholic. We had chatted in our conversation about St. Augustine and the confessions and so on. And I had no, nothing to do with her, her coming back, but it was her, the Holy Spirit in her and good St. Augustine, just to give credit where credit's due in the middle window. And uh, 
she said uh, he really brought me back to the faith and she went studying St. Augustine graduate school courses, graduate school degree in patristics, the fathers. Who are the fathers? They're right there in the window looking at you. The father's there, that's who she studied and she got a degree in that and now subsequent emails, she's teaching the fathers to people with all the enthusiasm in the world. With all the enthusiasm in the world and they are teaching her and you and me, us, and all the centuries of the love of God for us in Christ. And the magnificent treasure, the greatest treasure in our lives, which is the Christian message, which is the Christian message, that God so loved the world that he sent his only son. Marvelous Bishop Fulton Sheen used to say, the Old Testament is like radio, the prophets speak for God. The New Testament is like television. The word of God became flesh and dwelt among us and we saw his glory. That magnificent life line from John's prologue, the light which enlightens that everyone was coming into the world. And so in the darkness we find, we find great light. And so in this darkness we find great light. And from that is born the church. Now I know you're going to say, well we were taught the church begins at Pentecost, it certainly does. But quite frankly, don't you think Christ calling the apostles and stuff is also the beginning of the church? and is captured by the people who gave us one of the greatest gifts in our lives, this church, the community, but even the building, because they built into it the truths of the faith. Remember the fathers of the church I mentioned here? Our Blessed Mother, St. Joseph, the Sacred Heart, to think, who, who are, have that Jansenist idea that God doesn't love us. No, God's showing his heart on his sleeve, Christ is. But then behind me, atop each column, can you see atop each column the capital where it flares out? Do you see an apostle in each one? The second one from this side is St. Andrew. Do you see the X-shaped cross is on the, on the flag of Scotland? There's St. Andrew, the first to hear. Those hymns of 397, 397 are about St. Andrew. They're lovely prayers. They're marvelous prayers about getting away from all the rush of life, leaving their nets by the seashore, or leaving the Father in the work, and they went to follow Christ. And so do we. You say, well, how do you know I do? Because you're here. You and I would not be here if Christ had not come. And you and I would not be here if you had not collaborated with the Holy Spirit's grace to make that gift possible. We'd be meaningless if we hadn't come together. And we don't do it by ourselves. Between us and the apostles, there are people who spread the faith and taught the faith. We learned the faith at our mother's knee, our father's knee, our grandmother's knee, perhaps an aunt or uncle taught us that, a cousin. Someone took us to church and we began to ask questions. Last night, I dismissed 30 plus people, 35 people for the RCIA. They're coming on their own because of a thirst, a hunger for what they don't yet have. Same number the year before. And that's not simply the Holy Spirit and God and Christ, it's also you. Because of you and me and others who chatted with them, that's why they've come to faith because we shared our faith. They wanted to know how is it you have such great hope and optimism and joy in the midst of a world that sometimes seems so depressing, where pessimism seems the safest note. And we know it isn't because the war's battles are yet to go, but the war's already won in Christ. And we know that there's a new creation coming into being and we're all called to put our shoulders to the wheel of history, are we not? Are we not? Now in the midst of this, in building the church, there could be hassles. You know, I constantly meet people who are hyper-Catholics. Now, I think you know the story that when you turn the rheostat up so far, you can't hear the radio, you can't get the signal, there's more noise of, a, of an oppressive, you lose your eardrums and you don't hear straight. 
But I will hear people who will say, oh, I'm very Catholic, I'm extremely Catholic, but they're almost going to some high Anglican church because they got a new incense that they like the smell of better, or they like the kind of candles they use there. And I'm saying, well, how do we get the unity of the church out of that? There's nothing wrong with exploring. There's a place for people to go and see where things are. There's nothing wrong with that in seeking understanding and respecting our fellow Christians who also believe in the Lord and also believe in the Apostles' Creed. And we join in that and ecumenism makes perfect sense. But it's also true, if we work at dividing ourselves up, we won't have the church as a unity. We will have Protestantism, we won't have Catholicism. If you hear people, well, I don't believe in this pope, well, then you don't believe in anyone because they all said follow the Bishop of Rome and follow the bishop. Obviously, obviously, obviously. So how important to build not only the church, but the unity of the church, and then to have a place to welcome people into. No one's here, we can't welcome them in anywhere. But now that we have all of you and all of us, and all the other, think of how we can let people know and share the great hope and grace that we've been given. What a marvelous thing that is. And God is always at work in the world and in us. I wonder if I could close with a personal story. May I have your permission? Could I do that? Would that be okay? Thank you. Um, I was, uh, you know, I don't take days off generally because I have so many students to deal with. There's always happy work to do. It's not work, it's a joy. And so it's not I'm missing a day off, I'm having a, a better one. But uh, I don't get away, and with COVID, of course, I didn't get away on the holidays too much at all, uh, or it was very limited, like all of, again, like all of us. But this, thanks to the other priests, I got away just before Christmas, just after uh, New Year's, I played hooky. I got away, took off like a jackrabbit, got away. And so I only began to see one member of my family, a zillion more to see, but uh, I went to three of the communities of my order, obviously, to St. Francis de Sales. One of them, I saw an old teacher I had from... Uh, uh, he was first year ordained when I was a senior in high school down in Maryland at our, and then, uh, but I got down to Cape May, the very bottom of New Jersey. No New Jersey jokes, please. No New Jersey jokes. The very bottom of Cape May, as far south as DC, Washington, DC. And uh, I saw a buddy from college and his wife. We, we had a great time. And it was Holy Family Friday that, this year. And so we went to mass. And the parish there, by order, has the, the parish in Cape May. And so I met the celebrant of the mass was a classmate in the division. He, out of 36 people, he sat next to me in chapel and at meals and everything else. And so we were talking about that coincidence. And then I'm walking, they're walking me to my car. I'm going to leave and head back. And I get a call. I don't know the person. It's the niece, the goddaughter of a classmate of ours, of ours from the division. The year away, you learn about prayer, right? And, uh, and it was our choir director. He was a kid from Wilmington. He went to a public school, didn't go to a parish, so he had some heavy learning, but his dad ran a music shop, so he knew music well. He was an excellent choir director and a great friend. And uh, so she, uh, she, said that she said to me, I'm the niece, I'm the goddaughter of, uh, of Ed, and he'd been calling me in recent years, maybe every couple of months. And uh, he had left and got married and so on. And, and I used to, when I was at Princeton as a postdoc, I only had the afternoon or evening off of Sunday. I used to drive all the way down to uh, just south of Wilmington and, and have dinner with him and stay over and drive back to the lab in the dawn light, you know? But so, a good friend. And he said, he wanted me to tell you that he's dying. Thinks highly of you. I said, well, I think very highly of him. And thank you for telling me. So I was right there in South Jersey. I drove right over to Wilmington Christiana Hospital just south and I gave him the last rites. So I don't make much time off, like you too, I'm sure. And I don't, because of that, I don't get away any distance. And that very two things that are impossible 
happened at the self-same time that he was dying. By the end of the week, he died. We have, uh, we used to live in the novitiate, there was this marvelous scripture scholar and composer in France, a French priest, uh, Lucien Dice, who had this book of Psalms that everyone used at that time. They were used by cathedral churches around the world and uh, melodic. One of them was science sing, break into song. And he taught us that it was a rousing thing they used for our entrance to the novitiate and then uh, they did it for our profession the next year. And uh, that's what he taught us. And that's from Isaiah 60. And he died the night, the Saturday evening before the epiphany. And that was the first reading. Providence is more than a city in Rhode Island. Providence is more than a city in Rhode Island. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And with that trust and confidence and hope, share it with all the world. Thanks for listening to Within the Walls of St. Paul's Sunday Homilies. Please be sure to like us on Facebook and consider supporting us by visiting stpaulsharvardsquare.org. That's stpaulsharvardsquare.org. God bless and see you next time.